Kia ora, namaste, haere mai, and welcome to this week's episode of the Niche Cast. We are from, I am from, the niche-cache.com. I'm a Valtierowa sporting information, insights, nuggets, wrinkles, bits and bobs, in general, kōrero. Today, riding solo, with one bloke, versus Aotearoa Sport, because the old uh, Papatuanuku and Ranganui have had their say across Aotearoa, and unfortunately one half of the niche cage has no power up in the naughty Northlands, so it's been a bit of a crazy week, as I'm sure it has been for many Kiwis around Aotearoa, and we've got to do something. Got to get this Aotearoa Sporting yarn energy out of my system and record a nice big old podcast here for anyone listening who loves a bit of Aotearoa sport we'll try and get back to normal service next week just got to deal with uh, mother nature Papatuanuku Ranganui they are in control and you just got to kind of roll with it so yeah it's kind of ruined the week as far as recording podcasts and all that stuff goes but we're here and it's a great place to start for mindfulness because you can't do much about the weather. You can't do much about Papatuanuku and Ranganui when they have their say. So it's just a good old time to remember you can only control what you can control and you just got to adapt, wiggle through the adversity and keep on rocking and rolling, release the control that you have, that I have, that we have on this is how it should be, that I was going to do this today, I was going to do that tomorrow and then I've got plans to make this happen and uh, I'm going over there and i got goals to achieve and all this stuff. Just let it all go release it and flow like a nice beautiful awa just flow like a river or the estuary deep into the mangroves and let yourself go free from all the control and the um the boundaries the rules and regulations that your ego and your mind wants to put on things just let it all go that's what we that's what i've learned through this uh stormy phase of aotearoa's summer Today we are, or I'm going to be yarning about, we've got plenty of cricket, black caps, white ferns, want to uh, reflect on the Super Smash finals as well, got some rugby league, NRL trials, and of course Kiwi NRL diving into the SG ball, and we've got some Malmeninga Cup team lists as well, so that's all sparking up, which is great. New Zealand Breakers, they are deep in their finals run, they've faced the Tasmania Jack Jumpers today tonight and i'll be dropping a couple of notes about them obviously old mate nico the wild card he's our footballing expert so i might spin a yarn about some football stuff but i don't have a lot of information on what's happening i think the wellington phoenix men they are struggling at the moment which is a bummer they've lost a couple of games and we've got one thing i do want to highlight is we've got the football ferns they face Portugal in Hamilton and then I think they got a couple of games in Auckland against Argentina so think about how the Aotearoa sports has flowed at the moment it's kind of it's kind of in alignment with this old cyclone bugger that's floating around we had the Māori All-Stars in Rotorua last weekend we got the Black Caps versus England test match at Mount Maunganui in the Tauranga Bay of Plenty region and we've got football ferns in Waikato, then coming up to Auckland as well. So plenty of fantastic Aotearoa sporting action 
in that neck of the woods in Aotearoa. So big up the football fans. Let's just check if uh, Nico the Wildcard's got a yarn. A bit of football fans information on the website because do love the football fans, do love women's football in Aotearoa. Got the Women's World Cup coming up. So the on our website, thenews-case.com, there is a football ferns versus Portugal and Argentina preview. So why would you want to listen to me talk a bit of jibber-jabber about the football ferns when we've got the expert, the aficionado of all things Aotearoa football, with a big old preview yarn. All you need to know about the football ferns, it's on our website, thenews-case.com. You can also check in on all the Flying Kiwi stuff. Obviously, this week's a bit of a bit of a write-off, but you can check in with all the ladies who are named in that football fern squad with their you can check in with in with their mahi overseas in the Flying Kiwis department. But there's also the content around that series against the USA. So you can check in with what happened against the USA. And now we're coming up football ferns face uh, slightly easier opponents in Portugal and Argentina, which is probably a better matchup to learn about the football ferns and how they are tracking ahead of the World Cup that will um, be played in Aotearoa. So lots of football content on our website, thenews-case.com. People who also tune into our twice-weekly email newsletter via Substack, thenews-case.substack.com. You'll be up to date with all the Flying Kiwis notes and nuggets that come up every week there. Nico does a great job of covering all Aotearoa football in those email dispatches. And of course, I've got lots of Kiwi NRL notes, cricket notes, everything. All sorts of Aotearoa sporting bits and bobs again in that twice-weekly email newsletter via Substack, thenichecash.substack.com. Goes out every Monday and Friday evening. Hopefully... There might be a bit of power again up north, so we should be able to get a double banger. My side of the niche cache, Nick's side of the niche cache, all in that email tomorrow. Otherwise, just be your boy, me, again, writing solo, but we'll we'll see how we go. And of course, we've got the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash our niche cache. I'm going to be doing the Kiwi NRL Spotlight videos for Patreon each and every single week after the round of rugby league on the weekend so that is there on the patreon feed right now we haven't recorded a um team patreon podcast this week because old mate's got no power up north but there is that kiwi nrl spotlight uh video about 20 minutes of kiwi nrl information that is live on the patreon feed right now i do intend to do that again next week and we should be swinging back around with the patreon podcast which i think will fall after the first test so we might be able to debrief that first test in depth for the patreon whanau next week best way to support the niche cache and all our content is via patreon patreon.com forward slash our niche cache el niche cache it's straight up the guts big up to all the patreon whanau who support us and keep us trucking along today thursday the black caps face england in the first day night test or the first test of the series it's day nighter in Tauranga Mount Monganui so I there are some ideas around team selection you got a little battle maybe Will Young and Henry Nichols what's the vibe there we've talked about that we did a big old Patreon video about this test series so you can check out lots of those little wrinkles selection decisions um seam bowling 
versus spin bowling and team makeup. All that stuff is on our Patreon podcast, so you can check that out. And there's no point really diving into that stuff when you're going to be watching the Black Caps play while you're listening to this. But I am curious about just the general situation for the Black Caps, which here's, here's a bit of a hot take maybe. I think that some elements of the New Zealand Warriors curse have been trans have been passed over to Kiwi cricket. Black Caps and the White Ferns most notably. And I'll 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 lay that out for you now. I'll just share that take with you now because I think it's going to be a key factor in some of the, the stuff I'm going to discuss throughout this podcast. For Black Caps, this just means that I don't know how good they are and a few things are going against the black caps and they face a rampant england team so i'm not like fizzing for a black caps victory test series victory against england i don't know how realistic that is to expect that or to hope for that england are firing on all cylinders they play in a uh, very aggressive style of cricket which is great and it also leads itself to like blowing the opponent away. And so England have all this momentum. They have momentum in jacking up wins and winning consistently. They also have momentum in playing their cricket a certain way, which is kind of, it's bullying. Like, sure, it's fun, it's vibrant, it's baseball, but it's also just bullying your opponent. When your opponent bowls a bad ball, you hit him for six. Instead of trying to work him through the field and all this stuff. England are just out there to whack boundaries, bully their opponent. Whether that involves bowling short or coming up with all these other bowling plans even. They're trying to bully the opponent. And that generates a lot of momentum as well. Whereas the Black Caps, like any of that momentum they enjoyed and they gathered in Pakistan. I don't know how much of it applies for this test series because... Um, we've had the news that Kyle Jamison's got another stress fracture. Hopefully he can recover and get back on the cricket field soon enough. So you've got that. You've got some unavailabilities. Um, different players couldn't get to Tauranga and other players have you know kids on the way and all that stuff. That's working against the Black Caps. I think there's a couple of injuries further down the seam bowling depth chart that have led to the inclusions that we do have for this test series so i just i just think there's a lot of things working against the black caps here and they still have tim southey kane williamson tom latham devon conway like it's still a decent black caps team it's not the best black caps team and if the black caps aren't rolling out their best team their chances of winning decrease and you're coming up against this rampant England team. So I'm fascinated to see how this test series plays out. Because I'm feeling a similar vibe with the White Ferns. Like I don't... just feels like not much is working in the Black Caps' favour right now. Compared to maybe the World Test Championship run. Where just the, the sheer makeup of the World Test Championship. Everything worked in the Black Caps' favour for them to get into the final and defeat India in that Test Championship final. Right now, not a whole lot is going on in favour of the Black Caps. Then we slide over to the White Ferns, where they've lost two games to start the T20 World Cup. Now they face Bangladesh early on Saturday morning. A game they need to win, a game they should win. Right now, the White Ferns are the 
Uh, they are bottom of Group 1. They have a worse run rate than Bangladesh. Bangladesh and the White Ferns have both lost two games so far. And then the White Ferns will face Sri Lanka later on in the tournament. And it's been a pretty terrible start to this T20 World Cup for the Aotearoa White Ferns. The Australia loss was to be expected. Like Australia is the best team in the world. They're going to defeat the White Ferns more often than not. But there was was still a bit of a, a shooken vibe with the White Ferns where they just like, they're stunned by the Australian team. They don't have any mana. Like they don't have any, yeah, we're going to fight back. We're going to get you. We're going to come at you. We're the plucky underdogs. We're here to really wreak havoc and cause chaos and upset teams. The White Ferns don't have that energy. They didn't have that energy at the World Cup in Aotearoa, the ODI World Cup last year either. So at that under at that ODI World Cup last year, the White Ferns were timid and passive against the West Indies in the first game. Obviously, they lost to Australia at the ODI World Cup as well. They lost to South Africa. They lost to England. All of those losses featured just the timid passive vibe from the white ferns where they didn't really want to fight for the win and every time you'll see this in the t20 world cup as well maybe not against bangladesh but i've definitely noted it in the losses against australia and south africa definitely noted it at the odi world cup anytime the camera pans across to the team and the dugout or the coaches whoever it might be there support staff everyone looks as if the world's ending and sometimes the world isn't ending because the White Ferns are in a decent position if they had some mana to fight back. But everyone on the bench looks scared. Everyone on the bench looks concerned. Everyone on the bench, their energy matches and is aligned with the performance of the team. All of which comes together for just another icky, yucky, bad vibe White Ferns setup. And what is also quite interesting is you had a Sophie Devine laid out her frustrations after the loss to South Africa. And there was a lot to that. Um, there were some comments about domestic cricket not preparing players for international cricket. Um, and there were also... I don't care about any of this uh, women's Premier League stuff. Like, the the way the IPL sets prices and how teams buy players in the auction is absolutely ridiculous. There's no rhyme or reason there. They just fork out big money for whoever. They don't buy that person. And my advice to Kiwi cricket fans is don't pay any attention to it. You don't need to. Like It's great for the game and all that, but assessing players based on how the Indians view them, you're not going to get like a logical answer there. We've seen it many times with black caps being bought for massive price tags and they don't play. It's just how the IPL is, but that auction was going on in the background, um, and it was all very strange, and Sophie Devine was clearly frustrated, I think, with her own kind of performance and how the team's sitting. A lot of which, like, Sophie Devine hasn't scored many runs. She didn't score many runs at the Women's Big Bash League. She played two games of Super Smash. She's not in great form. No 50-plus scores in her last 10 games. Five scores below 20 in a row. For Sophie Devine, one of the greatest Kiwi cricketers ever. Sophie Devine is also a fantastic T20 international bowler. 
She was one of the best bowlers at the Commonwealth Games. She was one of the best White Ferns T20 international bowlers last year. She's one of the best T20 international bowlers in the world. She's got a career average of 17.45. That's elite T20 international bowling. And Sophie Devine's not bowling for the White Ferns. So I think that's a key factor in why the White Ferns are struggling. But it's also, it helps us understand Sophie Devine's frustrations because I don't think she is performing at the level she wants to. And obviously, if she's not bowling, she's not uh, healthy enough to bowl. So she is battling injury. An interesting, I did I did mention this with the, the Sophie Devine's comments around domestic cricket in, Al, in Aotearoa. I don't see any reason why the White Ferns performances reflect on domestic cricket in Aotearoa when the best domestic players are not being selected. The White Ferns have consistently selected teams based on potential and not winning. Like, Rebecca Burns and Kate Ibrahim are players who help you win. They will help the White Ferns win games right now. Rebecca Burns is one of the most powerful batters in Aotearoa. Kate Ibrahim's a monster competitor let alone any other female domestic cricketer who you want to throw into the white ferns like there are a bunch of other players who would help the white ferns win games right now but white ferns selection over the last four or five years has been based on potential and all those players who have been selected on potential they don't perform in domestic cricket so how can the performances of the white ferns reflect badly on domestic cricket if the best domestic players aren't selected for the white ferns like there's not much of a correlation between domestic cricket and white fern selection right now so that's a, that was an interesting one but more interesting is sliding back to the commonwealth games because the white ferns won a bronze medal at the commonwealth games and cricket is a colonizer sport let's just say that um as nicely as possible so the Pakeyans don't get offended. Cricket is a colonizer sport, and so the Commonwealth Games resembles the best teams in the world. The only difference between a World Cup and the Commonwealth Games for women's cricket is that West Indies becomes Barbados. So West Indies are a bunch of, to be honest, colonized islands in the uh, Caribbean, and in a World Cup, they compete under the West Indian umbrella. For the Commonwealth Games, Barbados is the nation that qualifies for the Commonwealth Games. That's the only difference. So the White Ferns were good enough to finish third at the Commonwealth Games. Now they're struggling to make the semifinals of the T20 World Cup. So anything you're seeing negative about the White Ferns right now a year ago, it was good enough to win a bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games, which is very strange. And this comes after that ODI World Cup. So you had Bob Carter was the coach during that stinky phase, and he manifested the yucky vibe of the ODI World Cup. White Ferns change coach. Ben Sawyer comes in. White Ferns win a bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games. Fantastic. Now we've got the bad, icky, yucky vibe again. And it's quite strange. So again, how did, like, a year ago we were celebrating the White Ferns for a pretty impressive bronze medal. Same format, similar team, same coach, and 
it feels like shit is hitting the fan once again for the white fans. There was a slight difference, like, well, this goes back to the old white fans, not the selections making no sense because the white fans have rolled through. They had Izzy Gaze was the wicketkeeper at the Commonwealth Games. She was brushed aside to select Jess McFadgian last some, uh, last year, late last year for games in Aotearoa. Both of them were brushed aside to select Bernadine Bezenhut as the wicketkeeper. So that's kind of the most notable change. You've got some other little bits and bobs like Brooke Halliday played in that bronze medal game. Her and Izzy Gaze, nowhere to be found in the White Ferns right now. Brooke Halliday is at least in the squad. And you've got other bits like Hannah Rowe was playing as an all-rounder. Now she's just a batter. Doesn't make much sense. You've also got another little nugget where Hayley Jensen was the best bowler at the Commonwealth Games. She was the best White Ferns T20 international bowler last year. And then she went to the Women's Big Bash League. Wasn't at her best. Super Smash this summer. Wasn't at her best hasn't really impacted games at this T20 World Cup, so it's all it's all very confusing. White fans were good enough at the Commonwealth Games under Ben Sawyer. Now, like everything about these two games at the T20 World Cup, the whole vibe, the whole mana of the White fans feels exactly like it did at the ODI World Cup. And I find that amazing. Baffling. And when it's in that zone, that's where I get into these cursed bits and bobs because this has been the same White Ferns vibe for a few years now. And we, I've said it a few times, the White Ferns, they don't make World Cup semifinals. At least the Black Caps have made consistent World Cup semifinals and the odd final. The White Ferns haven't done that in recent World Cups. And now here they are, probably going to miss out on semifinals at the T20 World Cup. I'm only going to mention the curse idea when there is compelling evidence to suggest that the only explanation for the Zicky vibes and just the crappy scenario is a curse. For the Warriors, it was like there have been maybe two good Warriors coaches. And your mate down the road, your, your granddad, Whoever else you talk to about the Warriors, they've got all the ideas, but everyone's ideas have kind of failed. So it's a curse. You want a new coach, you get a new coach, he sucks. Yeah, This player sucks, we get a new player, he sucks. That's how the Warriors, that's how I came up with the Warriors curse. There's just no explanation other than it's, it's cursed business. Right now the White Ferns, like everything was meant to change. Got rid of Bob Carter, refreshed the, the team, enjoyed a little bit of success, all the positive PR about the White Ferns and the female cricketing contracts and all that stuff is great. Here we are a year later, nothing's changed, it all feels the same, it's a bit cursed. And I'm curious how that looks for the Black Caps as well. I'm not super high up on the Black Caps right now ahead of this test series against England, and We've been in a pretty rosy, honkadori patch for Kiwi cricket. Black Caps over the last five to ten years have been fantastic. White Ferns have grown in prominence, and even though they have fallen away since 2018, they've still still enjoyed a lot of positive energy. Um, White Ferns' money has been built up with the the standing of women's cricket in Aotearoa. 
I'm just curious how that looks in a month's time. Are we going to be looking at a series loss for the Black Caps and a White Ferns team that is doing a bit of soul-searching? Fascinating times for Aotearoa's two Kiwi cricket teams. And the reason I love domestic cricket is that no matter what's happening up top with the White Ferns or the Black Caps, domestic cricket has some lovely vibes. It's it's beautiful in the domestic cricket realms, and that's what we have with the Super Smash. Everything moves quite quickly quickly in domestic cricket, so we're already on to Ford Trophy. Uh, we've got Halliburton Johnston Shield once again sparking up, which is good for the ladies of the domestic cricket circuit. But I do want to just spin a yarn about the Super Smash because there were some really interesting storylines. And if you were tripping about the Black Caps, if you're tripping about the White Ferns, you wouldn't miss those Super Smash finals won by Northern Districts and the Canterbury Woman. Start with the Canterbury Woman. They basically gave Amy Satterthwaite. Amy Satterthwaite, who retired, let's just say that, like, yeah, we'd love for. Amy Satterthwaite to be in the White Ferns, but she chose to retire. For whatever reason, she chose to retire. Respect to her and her decision, um, but she chose to retire. So it's hard to say, like, Amy Satterthwaite should be in the White Ferns when she chose to retire. But again, would you, like, all these players would rather be playing for Aotearoa, representing Aotearoa on the fullest stage, but Amy Satterthwaite just got sent out a Super Smash champion. And her wife, Leah Tahuhu, is... They are struggling over in South Africa at a T20 World Cup. So I've... I can't speak for Amy Satterthwaite, obviously, but I can say I thoroughly enjoyed the Amy Satterthwaite Super Smash story arc as opposed to whatever the White Ferns are going through right now. Canterbury were defeated in two games by Otago prior to the elimination final. One of those games was in Canterbury. They lost that one. Then they went down to Dunedin. And they lost that game against Otago. Then they played an elimination final in Dunedin. And they defeated Otago. They rolled Otago for 81. Ooh, 13 overs. Can't say rolled there. But they they restricted. How about that? Otago for 81 off 13 overs. Then they just cruised to victory. 82 for 3. Then they go into the Super Smash final against the Dynasty Wellington Blaze. The Wellington Blaze team who has the Dynasty, sorry. And Canterbury batted first, 145 for 9. And they rolled Wellington for 133 off 20 overs. Amy Satterthwaite was really good for Canterbury. Fantastic batter, fantastic bowler. I don't think her bowling should be overlooked. And a real steady presence as captain, leader, Matua Satterthwaite. But the... Real funky bit about this Canterbury Super Smash Championship are the other players. Kate Anderson moved down from Northern Districts and finished as the best batter across both Super Smash competitions. Absolutely fantastic. Gabby Sullivan, Missy Banks, two of the best seamers in the whole Super Smash as youngsters. And you also had Sarah Asmussen, who took, I think she took a Pfeiffer in the elimination final with her leggies. So you got this Amy Satterthwaite story arc, but Canterbury won this Super Smash Championship thanks to Kate Anderson, Gabby Sullivan, Missy Banks, Sarah Asmussen, 
and a really strong group of role players. Players like Laura Hughes, Nat Cox. Then they had Fran Wilson as an overseas player as well. And then they got a couple of youngsters. Izzy Sharp is someone you need to note down as a powerful young female batter. She captained the under-19 women's team at their T20 World Cup. And there were White Ferns playing in that team. But Izzy Sharp's the skipper. I think you had Abigail Hotton also bowling spin in the final. One of her first game, it might have been her debut or second game of her career. So there's plenty of young talent coming through that Canterbury team. And they defeated the Wellington Blaze, who were exceptional throughout. And they had some big Donny Australian players as well. So celebrate the Canterbury woman. Lots to learn about the strength of women's cricket in Aotearoa with their performances. Like Kate Anderson and Gabby Sullivan were the best bowler, best batter and best bowler in the Super Smash. Both are young players for Canterbury. Northern Districts won the men's Super Smash and they had a similar road to the final. They needed to win a couple games prior to the finals. And funnily enough, when Neil Wagner returned to the Northern lineup, Northern won every game. Neil Wagner played four Super Smash games and Northern Districts won all of them. Neil Wagner took wickets and then the Northern Districts just blasted their way into the final with uh, finals MVP. Kate Anderson was the women's finals MVP. I had Lee Kasprick as the season MVP prior to finals. Means, I had Dean Foxcroft as the season MVP, then Big Donny Mitchell Santner as the finals MVP, because he just performs when it matters most. Katane Clark also scored some runs. Katane Clark and Mitchell Santner were the best players in both finals. Because Northern Districts went back to back. Last year in the final, they defeated Canterbury. Katane Clark and Mitchell Santner scored runs. This year, Mitchell Santner scored a few runs, and the Katane Clark just blazed away at the top. I've broken down the Northern Districts back-to-back championships and a yarn on our website thenews-case.com gonna do a canterbury women's deep dive as well but the northern yarn is all about big donnie mitchell santner neil wagner coming back and being undefeated in the super smash and a very good championship northern outfit tim seifert scored runs got a real solid batting unit jet reval joe carter henry cooper Brett Hampton was one of the most efficient players in the whole Super Smash, scoring runs at a high strike rate, taking wickets with a low strike rate for the bowling. Mention Neil Wagner. He played in his first Super Smash season since 2017-18, I think. And it's his best Super Smash season of his career. Big up Neil Wagner now in the test team. Hopefully you'll see him take a few test wickets. You had uh, strong performances. Scott Kuhlheim's bowling, good pace, good outswing. Regardless of how you feel about Scott Kugeline, that's why he's back in the Black Caps team. I think there are some seam injuries that people don't necessarily know about. That's why the Black Caps had to go a bit deeper into their depth chart. But Scott Kugeline was bowling with good pace and moving the ball in the Super Smash. And that's why he was called into the test squad. Tim Pringle, one of the best spinners in the Super Smash, which was his first Super Smash. Obviously, Tim Pringle, Dutch international. And the Northern 
And I, I do want to highlight Katine Clark because I think he is one of the best young sluggers in Aotearoa. We got Finn Allen on the rise in that role, ODI T20 cricket. I think Katine Clark is a slightly, I don't want to say worse, slightly less good Finn Allen. They played together for the New Zealand under-19 team. They would have played with and against each other in Auckland schoolboy cricket, but Katine Clark was part of the Northern District's age group rep stuff. So they are cut from the same cloth. But Katine Clark is on the rise as a very hyper-aggressive opening batter. And he's scored runs in both finals for Northern Districts. And if Katine Clark's scoring runs, it's going its 200 strike rate like Fenella. The last note about Northern Districts is that they won the final last year. Sure, Katine Clark scored runs. Mitchell Santner was excellent. But in their team last year, they had Tim Salvi, Colin de Gronholm, Ish Sodi, and Anurag Verma. You may not know who Anurag Verma is. He's not a black cap, but he was a, he's a veteran domestic seamer, and he was very good for Northern Districts in the Super Smash last year. And he's been a highly productive white ball seamer for a long time in Aotearoa. I haven't seen him in domestic cricket this season, so he might have retired. But Northern won with at least three black caps at the time. The Gronholm, Saudi, Sodi. Along with Verma, they didn't play in this year's final. So Northern lost three certified black caps at that time, and they replaced them with Neil Wagner, Tim Pringle, Brett Hampton, and I think Joe Carter didn't play last year's final, came into the team for this year's final. And Northern still went back-to-back. And there was a similar vibe with the Canterbury woman because when they last won their Super Smash Championships, when they defeated Wellington maybe two seasons ago, Kate Anderson was playing for Northern Districts. Gabby Sullivan, Missy Banks, and Sarah Asmussen didn't do much. Canterbury won that final thanks to Satterthwaite, Francis Mackay, Leah Tahuhu, and Kate Ibrahim, who was playing for Canterbury before she moved to Otago. Then you come to this year's final, the best players are Kay Anderson, Gabby Sullivan, and Missy Banks and Sarah Asmussen. So both Canterbury women and Northern District's men have shown their depth and development, which I like as well. Like They're getting the most out of their young players, their emerging players, their fringe players, which for Northern Districts has been the case for a long time because everyone loves to fantasize about possible Northern Districts first 11 black caps holy cow, the whole team is international players. Everyone loves to imagine that. Everyone loves to fantasize that. The reality is they really actually play that because they're busy. But if you fantasize about a possible Black Caps Northern Districts lineup, you are missing on all the players who actually play for Northern Districts. Cartina Clark, Jeet Raval, Joe Carter, Henry Cooper, the Walker brothers, Pringle, Brett Hampton, all those dudes. They've been playing for Northern Districts for a long time. And Northern Districts, Christian Clark has also emerged. The K Clarks are one of the best young duos in Aotearoa. Northern Districts just have an endless production line of talent. And in Super Smash Cricket especially, they have championship mana. They know how to win Super Smash games. They know how to win Super Smash championships. And you've seen it this year, like, Various players coming into their team and contributing to that winning setup. So, big up Canterbury women, big up Northern men 
for their Super Smash Championships, and I'm it'll be interesting to see. Like, got to tap back in with Ford Trophy, see what's happening there. Those games are coming thick and fast, so I'll kind of let things simmer before I do a debrief yarn about the Ford Trophy, and then Halliburton and Johnston Shield is played on the weekend. So we'll check back in there, and we'll definitely touch base with domestic cricket again next week as for the one-day competitions because Ford Trophy is going to have an elimination final next week, then a final. I imagine we're going to have HBJ Shield finals coming up as well. So that's going to reach a, a pinnacle of the season for those competitions, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there, who emerges as young players, who emerges as dominant players as we move into the... And then we'll have Plunkett Shield as well later on. So still lots of fun domestic cricket coming up. Just a quick word about the Aotearoa Breakers who are facing Tasmania tonight. It's over in Tassie, so it's going to be a late game Kiwi time. Hopefully the Breakers can get a win and wrap this series up. I think these are three game series. Let me just double check that one. So if the Breakers can win this one, they will wrap the series up. Otherwise, I think they come back to Auckland for the last game. Let me just double check it. Yeah, so we're playing in Tassie tonight. And if there's a third game required, it'll be Sunday at Spark Arena in Auckland. Breakers look really good in that win over Tassie, 88 to 68. And some key points about Breakers basketball that I'm really enjoying is just the length of their team especially the starting five they rolled out against tassie you had pardon brantley mcdowell white abercrombie and rupert all tall lads long and you can do a lot of switching if you're basketball if you're a little bit if you're basketball-y inclined you'll understand the idea of switching and how that helps your defense and being able to defend multiple positions and especially the brantley abercrombie rupert trio they can defend a lot of different uh, players and different shapes and sizes and plays and they can switch they can tighten up on a defensive matchup as well and that make that is that helps the breakers solidify their ident- their defensive identity which we have talked about all season long the breakers are a very kiwi team shout out Stephen adams not playing for the Memphis Grizzlies, but the Memphis Grizzlies and Stephen Adams, they do have a bit of a Kiwi vibe with how Stephen Adams contributes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Sean Marks laying out the Kiwi vibe because he flirted with the USA star power, need a star to win in the NBA, all that shit. Sean Marks flirted with it. He tasted the uh, the USA vibe with that. He was like, nah, Bolt. Let me get back to this Kiwi style. We build a culture. Build a team identity. Less star power. Team first. More team first players. And just a better... Just a better vibe at the Brooklyn Nets. Better culture. That's what we want with Aotearoa Sports. And Sean Marks is channeling that. And the Breakers have definitely channeled that in, in a successful season so far in the NBL. And it flows. It starts with the imports. Pardon. Brantley. Uh, Rayan Rupier. Is the the next gen NBA type of player? Usually, those dudes aren't very 
they're not going to lead the culture and they're not going to buy into that defensive identity. But Rupert is part of that. Barry Brown Jr. is part of that. He's a menace. So the overseas imports drive that identity. They drive that culture. And then someone like uh, Isaiah Liafa, real nuggety defender. Tom Vodanovic, nuggety defender, rugged bloke for the Breakers. That is Breakers Basketball 101. Is that mana, that identity, that culture. Those dudes also shoot. Like, the win over Tassie, uh, McDowell White, two from three, three-pointers. Abercrombie, two for three, three-pointers. Liafa and Rupia, they both hit one. Glidden, two from two. So, like, two of your best kind of long defenders out on the, the three-point line... They're shooting threes as well, which is precisely what you want. Pardon inside. He's getting rebounds. He's tipping everything back into the hoop. Brantley loves a three-pointer. He went one from seven in the win over Tasmania. He shot seven three-pointers that he missed. He got one of them, 14%. But Brantley loves a three-pointer. Some of those will go in uh, in this game tonight, again, uh, tonight, Thursday, against Tasmania. Some of those will go in for sure. Didn't go in in the first game, but you did have other players stepping up to sh- to fill that shooting void. It's just like everyone defends, everyone can get a bucket. That's Breakers basketball right now, and especially the defensive identity, the rugged mana that this Breakers team has, I think it translates pretty well to road performances, so I wouldn't be surprised if they defeated Tasmania tonight, Thursday night, and if it comes back to Auckland on Sunday... It's hard for the Breakers to lose at home right now. Like, the crowds are buzzing. Fantastic uh, atmosphere that the Breakers generate in their home stadium at Spark and uh, the old North Shore one as well. But these big games are played at Spark, and there's depth for the Breakers as well. Uh, Only three players off the bench played over 10 minutes. Liafa played the most minutes off the bench, 19. Brown played 14 minutes, and Rob Lowe played 13 minutes. But if required, the breakers can get into go deeper onto their bench for sure. So I think this is this breakers team is well equipped to win this finals matchup and go deep. But we'll see how they go tonight against Tasmania. And if required, see how they go on Sunday back in Aotearoa. Sunday, we got Warriors versus Storm. In a trial match. Just a trial match. Let's all just chill out a bit. We got a Warriors trial match. And I mentioned the the curse, like some of this curse stuff, right? How the curse may have been passed on from the Warriors to some of these Kiwi cricket teams. I don't, just throwing it out there, just kind of brainstorming and workshopping this idea. And I definitely don't want to just assume that the Warriors curse is over. Because anytime you think the Warriors curse is over, they go back to sucking and it's kind of tough and you question everything and then you're like oh it's the curse right for any everyone's sanity just say it's the curse it's all good then you don't have to try and figure it out it's just cursed but i do like what the warriors are doing under coach andrew webster do want to highlight the two andys this is a fun idea for the warriors you got andrew webster new coach and andrew mcbadden who's the gm of recruitment development all that stuff so you got two andys two Half Pakia, half Palangi Andes from Australia. The two Andes. 
Andrew Webster, Andrew McFadden. I like what they're doing at the Warriors. Can't can't lie. And I think you saw some pro- positive signs, as many positive signs as you can get from a trial game against the Tigers at home. Um, plenty of buzz around that game as well. At Mount Smart, crowd was ruckus. Everyone had a jolly old time. I liked it. Now you're coming into the Storm game and you've got a kind of first-tier Warriors team, but most importantly, I think you've got the, the first tier, top-tier spine in action. Sean's Nickel Clockstad, Tamara Martin, Sean Johnson, and Wade Egan. I'm seeing a lot of different opinions about the makeup of the Warriors' spine. I have done a big deep dive into the Warriors' spine, the Warriors' forward pack, Andrew Webster, some junior stuff on our website, thenews-case.com as well. And there are some... There are a wide range of opinions about the Warriors' spine, which, fair enough. I think the mainstream media gets a bit hectic. Like, they hate the Warriors, they love the Warriors, they hate Sean Johnson, they love Sean Johnson, and they they oscillate between these extremes about Warriors. Like, Sean Johnson's okay, he's just an organizing half right now, that's all he needs to do, like, who cares? But the main thing here with the Warriors' spine is that they have depth. And it's not necessarily about who starts round one. Because all four of those spine players are going to get injured at some point. And then you need to be able to absorb those injuries and keep rolling through the NRL season. Because an NRL season is brutal. It's hard for players to be healthy and perform at a high level every single week. Like it's hard enough to do that. Let alone staying healthy. Or not being suspended because it's also really hard to not be suspended for some players and the warriors have every spine position covered with depth fullback you can go tain to alpiki you can put luke metcalf at fullback you can put tamida martin at fullback the halves you might see i think new south wales cup We'll start with Tuaupiki at fullback, Metcalf and Volkman in the halves, Freddie Lussick at hooker. All of those players can do a job in the NRL for one game, two games, three weeks, whatever it is. And if they are exceptional and any of the Nickel Clockstad, Tamara Martin, Sean Johnson, Wade Egan group, if they suck and other players take their opportunity, it naturally sorts itself out. It's all good. But for the Warriors to make the finals, and that's all we're looking for this season, is just making the finals. That's it. Chill out. We're just trying to crack the finals. You need depth. And you need options, and you need competition for spots. But most importantly, you need to be able to absorb injuries and absorb bad form or absorb suspensions. And the Warriors have a decent backup in every spine position which I think is pretty good. And so my advice to Warriors fans is to not buzz about who's starting round one because it will sort itself out throughout the season. I'm also liking how the Warriors might play through the middle. you got Mitchell Barnett starting, which was a bit of a surprise alongside Fanoa Blake and Tohu Harris a lock. Barnett's ruthless. He's a bit of a nutter. And the Warriors could do with a bit of extra physical oomph 
Like, he's not a massive prop, but he's going to niggle blokes. He's going to put a shot on. He's going to take every run straight up the guts. But I, in breaking down the Warriors' forward pack, I laid it out. Like, you've got the leaders, Fanua Blake and Tohu Harris. Then you've got the whole pluggers. The whole pluggers are Mitchell Barnett, Maratini Okori, Jackson Ford, Josh Curran, Dylan Walker. They are the whole pluggers. Because they can cover a few different positions. They can play edge and middle. They can move between those positions mid-game due to concussion, injury, sinbin, whatever it is. And they can also start in those positions as well. So they're just there to plug a hole. And all those players are pretty decent professional NRL players. So you just want those dudes to be reliable, trustworthy, hole pluggers. Then you got the runners. Bunty Arfoa is a runner, and I think he could be a starting prop for sure. But he's he's looking for maybe 30, 35 minutes, and you want him hitting that 10 meters per run mark and making his tackles, obviously. Tom Ale is another runner, but he's going to be looking for less minutes, 20 to 25, maybe 30 minutes. And all he needs to do, 10 meters per run, do a job defensively, and, you know, execute whatever plays they need to execute. And I think Tom Alley, like, so if you're starting with Fanua, Blake, Mitchell, Barnett, and Tohu Harris through the middle, you need some oomph off the bench, and that's where you're going to get it from the runners, Bantia Fowa and Tom Alley. Also really liking Dimitri Sifakula for the Warriors. Mentioned him in the Kiwi NRL Spotlight Patreon podcast, and... He did a lot of great work on an edge for the Warriors last week against the Tigers. Really interested to see where he lines up against the Storm. I think he could get more minutes on the edge. However, I'm curious about him if he can crack a bench spot at some point in the NRL season. And I think he could play through the middle in that bench role. Another bit of a hot take here. You might even see it this weekend, because old the Doko Katoa is starting on an edge for the Melbourne Storm. I really like Katoa, and I think Katoa is going to be successful at the Storm. He's a he's a fantastic Storm edge forward. They'll simplify his role. They'll just have him running off the hip of the halfback, which is probably going to be maybe Jerome Hughes on that right side. I think Kato is going to be successful in the Storm system. But for the Warriors, I think Sifakula is better. I think he's got more upside as a funky edge forward where he's got a bit of skill, a bit of pizzazz, a bit of X-factor to him. And he's more suited, I think, to an Andrew Webster type of edge forward role. And I just, regardless of whether you agree with me or not, it's an interesting comparison to tuck away as the season progresses. I have done a QNRL trials notebook that is also live on our website, thenews-case.com, covering every trial team named for this week. Plenty of information, QNRL information there for you. Two players I do want to highlight that I find really interesting are Nofahu White for the Roosters and Tukimihia Simpkins for the Tigers. Both of them... Played NRL in 2021. Last year they went backwards though. So Simpkins and Nofahu White uh, played 
Jersey Flig, which is under-21s, last year, and also reserve grade. So they went from playing NRL in 2021 to Jersey Flig and New South Wales Cup last year. I think that was part of this wider NRL situation where a large number of players were used during the pandemic. And you had a lot of Kiwi NRL debutants, but a lot of players haven't kicked on. And I'm just thinking, like, upon reflection, was that just the crazy time where every NRL team was looking for players, maybe? I don't know. But for whatever reason, White and Simpkins didn't play NRL last year. Both are named on the bench for their respective teams this week. And I think there's a bit of upside for both of them. I think they're fantastic players from Aotearoa. And they can both settle into bench roles as middle forwards. Nofahu White was recruited by the Roosters out of Auckland. He's a Bay Roskill junior, I believe. And he went to Calston Boys. Roosters got him straight away during... Um, the Roosters got recruited him during high school. And after he finished the Calston Boys, he went across to the Roosters. He... I think he might have won like the best young player award at some point there. And now like there's a lot of hype around Siwa Wong, who another player from Auckland went to Mount Albert Grammar School. Roosters recruited him at an early age, brought him across to Sydney, placed him in school, gave him some housing. You know how the Roosters salary cap sombrero works. It doesn't pay for all their NRL players necessarily. But the Roosters have a whole lot of resources for those Kiwi NRL juniors they bring across from Aotearoa. Wong is the buzzy dude right now. Everyone loves Wong and mad respect to him. Last year, he played every grade except NRL. I've done a Kiwi NRL spotlight on him. He is amazing. I'm curious to see if Wong or White gets more game time. It does sound like a bit of a law firm. White and Wong. Wong and White. It's just a, it's a funny uh, double banger to say. But they are competing for game time. Wong is more of an edge forward. Nofahu White can play edge and can play middle. Then again, Wong did play 13 at times for at, his, at the various levels that he played last year. They are, they are competing for game time. And Wong's got all the trendy headlines. Whereas White went backwards last year. But it seem, seems to have impressed everyone at the Roosters enough to get a couple of trial opportunities this year and I think like the Roosters invested in him so they like him but that is an interesting spot to keep an eye on Nofahu White trying to fight off Siwa Wong for NRL minutes with the Roosters Tukamihia Simpkins from Rotorua was joined by Hayes Perham as Rotorua Boys High School like former students at Rotorua Boys High School who played for Māori All-Stars at Rotorua in Rotorua epic moment for them Simpkins was recruited by the Cowboys then under Michael Maguire the Tigers recruited Simpkins down to Sydney got a crack in NRL didn't seem to take it like he wasn't great defensively but he loved an offload he was all right didn't play last year as I said and now he's back in that Tigers uh, extended bench. Let me just pull up who else is there for the Tigers. Because the Tigers are also another trendy team where they've got all these local juniors everyone loves, but Tuki Simpkins might be better than Justin Matamua. Bigger body, 
just as robust, just as skillful. Great pedigree. Simpkins was a standout player in first 15 and NZRL Jr. as well. So if you're celebrating Justin Matamua, keep an eye on Simpkins. He's, I think he's just as good. Fanua Pole, Sean Bloor, they're also in this equation. Simpkins is a definite middle forward. I think uh, like Sean Bloor might get some game time on an edge, but you're competing with Matamua and Fanua Pole and Simpkins might have crept under the radar because he was playing for Māori All-Stars. He wasn't playing for the Tigers in that trial game. But I think for both of these players, especially after that pandemic phase, a solid season in New South Wales Cup is really good preparation, solid foundations for this season. And Simpkins has the pedigree. He's got the talent. And I think if he can get an opportunity on that Tigers bench in the NRL, he's going to take it. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Simpkins is back. That's what he does. Finally, I want to just touch on some SG ball team lists. Not much doing in the Malmeninga Cup, which is Queensland under-18s or under-19s. No familiar names there, so I'll just keep learning. That's all we do. Like I don't present myself to be an expert on the Kiwi NRL junior stuff. I'm just here to learn and share whatever I learn with you guys and girls, and hopefully we can all learn from each other and celebrate not just Kiwi NRL juniors, but all the Aotearoa sporting juniors who are performing at a high level who, you know, the regular media coverage don't necessarily care about. Warriors SG Ball, they face Melbourne Storm. And the Warriors SG Ball team, same team as was named for the postponed game against the Sea Eagles. They didn't play last weekend because of the Cyclone. And, yeah, like, we'll keep learning about the Warriors SG Ball, but I'm kind of more interested in the Storm here because... The Storm have named Casey Newton Fare at prop, and he is a Rickerton junior from Christchurch. So he's starting at prop for the Melbourne Storm SG ball team. Tanner Stowers Smith is a Hallswell junior from Christchurch, and he is starting at prop for the Warriors. So Melbourne Storm versus Warriors, you have two props from Christchurch starting. That's pretty damn impressive. And you've also got a Canterbury vibe throughout SG Ball that I keep on highlighting. Matthew, Matthew Longapati is a Linwood junior. He's starting on the wing for the Melbourne Storm SG Ball team. We know Oliver Lowry, West Coast junior. He's starting at halfback for Balmain. Also got Felix Fa'atili. He is starting for Cronulla Sharks at prop once again. And Felix Fa'atili has scored... Two tries in his first two games of SG Ball since moving down from Wynnum in Queensland, where his older brother Caius is playing. Caius played on a in the trial team for Wynnum against the Broncos a few weeks ago. And Felix played, I think he played under 18s and under 21s last year. Now he's gone down to, to Cronulla Sharks, where he's playing SG Ball, which is under 19s, and he scored two tries in his first two games. Fabulous. Shout out to Felix Fatili. So you've got that Canterbury. I'm just. I think I'm missing someone with the Canterbury Kiwi NRL SG ball rep. We've got Longopati. We've got Felix Fatili, Casey Newton Fare, and we have yeah, just the four. I think it is the 
Storm team also features Dicky Terapol. Uh, he's starting at center. He is an Otara junior. Was playing first with them for St. Kent's in Auckland. And the Storm also have Bishop Walker, who I think is an Otahuhu junior. He's coming off the bench. So you've got Warriors full of Kiwi NRL talent. And they are facing a Storm team with two players from Christchurch. You've got the KC Newton Fade versus Tanner Stowers Smith matchup. And you've also got one of the best, I think, like Dickie Terapol was a New Zealand rugby representative at first 15 level. Also a New Zealand rugby league junior. I think he might have made like an under 16 team as well. So just keeping track of the Melbourne Storm developing their Kiwi NRL talent. And the other game I wanted to highlight was Sharks versus Roosters. Because as I mentioned, you got Felix Fa'atili starting a prop and dominating everyone. Also have Trey Fotu, who is a Maris junior from Auckland. He moved over to Queensland, and then, maybe this is a trend, is up in the Sharks team. So Fatili and Trey Fotu both left Aotearoa to go to Queensland and play junior footy there. Now they're with the Sharks. That's cool. I mentioned the Roosters. Nofahu White, Siwa Wong. Young players, young forwards coming up through the Roosters. Their SG ball team, they have Salisi Fokiti, who is a Manurewa junior, and Javan Stevenson Hala, who is from Manawatu. I think he played first 15 for Palmerston North Boys High School. Two big boppers there. Benaya Ayawalu, exceptional dummy half talent. Cassius Tia, halfback from Marist. He scored a try last week. And you've got Brandon Smith's younger brother, Jaden Smith, there as well. That's just Roosters SG Ball. We don't know about Fleg yet. Uh, the Roosters were very busy. They had Junior Ponga, William Fakatamafe, Jackson Paulo playing in their trial game last weekend. So Roosters elite NRL organization. And that is also evident in the players at their junior ranks. Kiwi NRL stuff happening below NRL level. What did I say? I had one, two, three, four, five. Kiwi NRL players in the Roosters SG ball team. They're facing Felix Fa'atili and Trey Fotu for the Cronulla Sharks. And of course, everything about that Melbourne Storm Warriors SG ball matchup is super funky as well from a Kiwi NRL perspective. And that's it for this episode of the Nishcast. Hopefully, you enjoy the Aotearoa Sporting Yarn. And hopefully we can get back to a normal service next week. Otherwise, just enjoy all the Aotearoa sporting action. Make the most of it. And we'll be back next week to digest it all. And highlight any other Aotearoa sporting excellence. Pick it up to yourself. Kia kaha. Stay beautiful. A choo